Everyone to the Flourish We Grow Together podcast. This is Laura Di Francesco, founder and CEO of Flourish Coworking Space and Dean Street Law. Flourish is a lush, sustainable, and inspiring space to co-work and host events in Westchester. And now brought to you globally through the We Grow Together podcast. I'm here with my co-hosts, Lindsay and Casey. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay, the co-founder of Flourish. And I am Casey, the community manager of Flourish. I'm so excited. We put together so many goodies for you guys. This episode, we're going to be talking about our 60 days to launch your business course and just really like what goes into launching a business. And this is something that we're super excited about. We told you guys previously when Flourish was shut down from COVID that this was really something that we dove into. (laughs) Totally. I think we recognize that it's a time where people, although, you know, it's a hard time for business, we also know that, you know, this is a time where people will be starting new businesses and, you know, there's going to be new businesses that come about because of what happened. So I think it was just like a really perfect time to put something together like this. And, you know, you guys had your whole journey opening up Flourish and Dean Street Law. So it kind of was like a natural progression for you guys, I feel. Totally. And I think this is a really great opportunity. I think a lot of people are scared right now about starting a business, but now is one of the best times to start a business. There's such a great opportunity in terms of employment, you know, having, bringing on employees, like there's such a great talent pool right now. The cost of capital is really low. The cost of loans is really low. And right now is just a really good time to come out of the woodwork and shine. So I'm really excited about it. Totally. Yeah. Even if you just always like had a dream in mind, you know, we've had more space to be able to think about things like this. So even if it's just a situation where you've been thinking or dreaming of starting your own business, um, it's just a good time to like learn what it would actually take to, you know, launch it. Yeah. So even if you're just curious and thinking about launching a business, this will actually outline like what it takes and all the work and what steps you have to go through in order to do it. In case you're so right, we've all had time to like reflect internally and spend more time with ourselves to figure out like what it is we really want in life. And I think that working from home gives that flexibility for you to actually start something. Oh, a thousand percent. It's what so many people ask for. It's what I wish that I had had so that I had a little bit more time to work on my side hustle when I was working full time. You still have that great opportunity of having job security, but you have more flexibility so that you can use your time in a way that's really advantageous to you. So now's the perfect time to be really diving into any side hustles. And I'm going to be honest, Casey, when you were mentioning having more time to dream up ideas, Lindsay knows we're like on to idea business number four and five right now. And Lindsay's like, hold on, pump the brakes. She doesn't even know about idea five yet. Yeah, idea five happened on our networking hike. So, you know, we're we're always sparking ideas on the fly here, but no, it's good because it's something that you can come back to every single time, you know, or even if you have a current business, you can come back and check it out. And 
a lot of, I think the biggest advantage to this is it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. You know, like it's like you guys have been through the process, you've made, you know, maybe a couple mistakes so you can actually help people avoid, you know, making that mistake or just guide them along their way too. Yeah. And this is something that I'm going to be going back through for my personal brand as I'm launching that. It's something that I'm going back through with Dean Street Law because it's a resource that we didn't have when we were launching. But this podcast is really going to be giving so much good information and it's a really good place to start if you're interested in starting a business, if it's been something on your mind, or even if you just want to revisit the fundamentals because we're going to be going through basically the whole course um, and you know sharing just a piece of every different segment of it because it really breaks down that beginning stage of launching a business. So yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. And just for some background on what the course actually is, we came out with a guide. Um, so there's two two ways to purchase. There's a guide and then there's the course. The course is the guide plus 16 audios. And then we have like homeworks and little checkpoints. The guide's on Teachable. So it's a resource where you can reach out to us with questions as well and we can help you. So yeah, there's two different options here and you know, it's whatever is working best for you wherever you're at right now. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And both of these can be purchased. You can find them on our website on flourishcoworking.com. Um, The guide is in our shop and then the course is underneath the tab called courses. And I believe that we have a discount code for all the listeners too, right? Yeah, we definitely do. Should we share it at the end? Yes, we'll share it at the end. That sounds perfect. Cool. Um, So the first section of the course, and it's really like Casey said, it's really well structured and teachable. Every section has homework. It has prompts. So this is just a glimpse into each section, Um, but it's really starting with personal discovery. I say this so much. You are going to be able to get as far in a business as you can get personally. Like your personal growth is like such a big momentum piece for growing your business. So everything starts with you as an entrepreneur and making sure that you know what you want and growing that. So it's really dialing in an understanding of yourself. It's a lot of self-assessment, particularly strengths and weaknesses and spending time to really understand your goals and what they are and how you want your life to meet. Because you know, there's a couple businesses that I've absolutely loved the idea of, but like, if I thought of the, I, the actual lifestyle, like a restaurant is one that I commonly think of, like, I would love to own a restaurant. I think it'd be so much fun. I would have all these fresh, clean meals and everything, but do I want that lifestyle? Like, do I want that? Probably not, not the traditional way, but there are certainly ways that you could do it that are non-traditional that would be more appealing to me. So really living out your dreams and getting that experience because when you spend time figuring out what you want your lifestyle to be first, then you can figure out what business can support that lifestyle because getting down to the nitty gritty of the goals you actually want will help you decide particularly if you're like us and you have a lot of business ideas, what's the best business idea for you? 
Totally. And another thing that we commonly talk about in this section as well is, you know, getting to know yourself and knowing your strengths and weaknesses, knowing your zones of genius, your zones of competence and competence, all those things that all ties so much into your business because that's going to tell you how you're going to operate in your business. You know, you go in already kind of being an expert of what you're going to be good at, what your role is going to be, and then what you're kind of going to need to either work on or hire out for. So it gives you a lot of background knowledge that even, you know, you wouldn't think of just thinking of personal development, but it's going to be so, so helpful when you actually go to, you know, start your business, you're in your business and you're hiring employees. Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't know, your zone of genius is really the zone where you spend, you could spend any amount of time in. Your zone of genius is the point where you are just living and breathing it and time fades away and you're so good at it. You blow everybody out of the park and your zone of excellence is something where you're really, really good at it. You can be paid really well of it for it, but there's that level of friction. It's not quite that area where you just time fades away there. It's still like is difficult and there's some sort of friction. You don't love it. Maybe that's it. Um, zone of competency is something that you do really well, but other people can do it really well too. Zone of incompetence is your zone where you don't do something really well, but other people do it better than you and you can hire out. So I think a lot of people wait to think about hiring until they actually have the money for it. Whereas I think it's much better to start at least dreaming your team because things are going to move quickly and they can move quickly. And you really want to be able to have structures and infrastructure in place and know who you want to hire as you go through your business. So identifying, we have a matrix of when you should hire. Um, essentially, you should figure out what your value is for your time. For me, that's super easy because my clients pay me a billable rate. Um, and basically anything that's a business necessity and it's either in your zone of incompetence, you should hire for. And then it kind of like the matrix um, adjusts a bit as like it's not necessarily a business need, but it's a business want. But it would free up a lot of your time because you're doing it. Um, so basically the idea is that you as an entrepreneur want to be spending as much time as you can in your zone of competence, your zone of excellence, and then your ideal goal is to spend as much time as you can in your zone of genius. Yeah. And I think that ultimately this section is just reminding you that like your business is a reflection of you. And in this section, we also have a part that talks about like, how to be strong, how to be stable and resilient because you need to be those things in order to show up for your business. But like we also talk about that, like this is real life too. So um, awareness is what you can use to really like be mindful as you're going through this journey in this process. And, um, and awareness will help you grow and evolve and kind of just live up to that fullest potential that you need to be. Yeah. We are constantly in evolution. And that's something that I talk about all the time. Change can be your biggest friend for growth and being able to shed layers, particularly as an entrepreneur. And that could be shedding tasks and delegating can really help you grow your business, especially more quickly. That's something 
talent is the number one thing that I invest in. That has always been something since the beginning of the company. We scaled quickly to a team of eight in just a couple months of me launching the business because I really believe in surrounding myself with people who can help me grow the business and get the job done. And that was all self-funded. So I'm not going out and hiring what I can't afford, right? But as you have income coming in, I really truly believe in investing that back into the company. And one of the biggest investments I make is in hiring. Totally. And then the next section that we have and we go over is developing the business idea. So I feel like everyone has in mind kind of like what they want to do or what they would want to do, or maybe even a couple ideas of something that they're either really passionate about or they love. But I think that what's important that we talk about in this section is how do you really cross paths to pursuing your passion, but also making it profitable too. So we go over like narrowing down that business idea for it to be something that's really going to generate profit for you. Profitability is the number one thing. It's so important. And a lot of people um, forget about it in the beginning and don't focus on it, but it's super important to be profit first and really be focusing on profitability and also jumping into something that you have experience in and that you can navigate well. So an example that I give about this is I started Dean Street Law first because I had all of the experience there that was clients were coming to me. It's a highly profitable business and everything. And that was my foundation before I started Flourish. I wouldn't have personally quit my job to start a co-working space with zero experience in co-working space. But now that I have more experience in entrepreneurship, I actually have a ton of experience in real estate. So this was something that I was building on expertise in. So I have a lot of experience in managing real estate, in leasing and everything like that. And a co-working space is really something, just a micro aspect of that. So if it was something totally foreign and you have a bunch of money saved up and you're looking at whether this risk makes sense, that would be something that I would be a little bit more hesitant about. But if it's something that you want to get into that's outside of your comfort zone, but not a totally foreign area, then I say that's something to definitely consider and generally go for. Yeah. For sure. And I think this, this section can be a little hard, you know, cause you do have to kind of be a little honest with yourself and think about your passion and whether you can turn it into profit, you know, like if your business is like flip flops for hamsters or something, like maybe the market isn't so big for that. So you have to kind of like <laughs> narrow in on what parts maybe you could do, like maybe not hamsters, but maybe dog shoes or something like that, you know? So you, you pivot and you figure out what's going to be work for you and what you're trying to offer to the world. And this is also really good because if you know you want to get in a totally different industry or something like that, and you do want to make that big, big jump, it's good to identify that early because you today, if I didn't have any experience in real estate, if I didn't have any experience in law or anything like that, I could begin developing those skills as I'm saving money or preparing to launch, you know? So it's good for you to consider skills and passion and profitability together here so that 
these can also be opportunities. It's not just a wah, 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 I don't have what I need, so I can't do it. Heck no. You know, find out what you need, find jobs or opportunities or education so that you can get yourself there. Definitely. And then in in terms of like developing the business idea, I think it's something that we always get stuck on. And even if it's like the the small details, like creating your logo, um, I feel like we always think like, what do I want it to be like? Do I like this font or do I like that font? And when you're developing ideas, like you really need to get out of the, the mindset that like it's what you want because it's not about you. It's about your customer. So shifting your mindset when you're developing these ideas to look through the lens of your customer versus yourself is really helpful. And I honestly think that it makes the decision-making process a lot quicker because you're not thinking about yourself and like, what do I want? And like, oh, like my, my style is this today, but my style may be that tomorrow. And once you stop looking through like what you want and what your customer would want, I feel like that's really helpful in like getting the gears turning faster. Yeah. And this is something that you can do in so many different ways. You could do a full-blown market research project where you have surveys and you go out and ask people. I've done that before. Or it can be super simple. If you follow me on social media, you know that I'm constantly, or even flourish on social media, you know that we are constantly polling our audience, asking them questions, asking them what they want. If you attend an event with us, we'll usually send a follow-up email to ask you how you thought the event was, what you want from the event. Um, and so like they could be super simple things like a Google survey, or they could be just Instagram story voting polls and everything. I love that quick on the way um, movement type of way to get feedback from your audience because it's really not only just empowering you with information, but it's also bringing them along on the journey with you. And they feel more invested in your business when they're able to be part of that decision-making process. Totally. And part of phase two um, we have in there is testing your business idea. So it's a perfect opportunity. We have homework to do this because it is such an important part of the actual, like of the development of your business idea when you're testing it. Um, and getting feedback from people that's going to bring you closer to your like refined idea. Um, and then we have to go out and do like problem and solution interviews. So you can see, cause when we're launching a product service or experience, you know, we're like trying to fill some sort of need or want in the consumer. So we can actually see like, okay, is this something that they actually want? Do they want something a little bit different? And then like, look at our idea and kind of bring it closer in that aspect. Yeah. And what I love about this section case was that, and just for background, if, if you guys aren't familiar, Casey's worked for Anthro and QVC, which are, um, incredible consumer. Yeah. They're crazy retail companies. So I feel like she brought a lot of experience on how to really narrow down, like what your customer wants and getting that research from your customer to kind of develop even further until you find something that like really hits the nail on the head of what people are looking for and what really connects case when you had that um when you talked about how you guys would have consumer market research and you would watch people like open up their packages and yeah. see, like what their first initial reactions were i feel like that is just like 
such cool feedback that you get to without any bias of you standing right next to someone telling them like, yeah, and then like this is here and that's there, but just authentically watching someone without any help just interact with your product, I feel like gives you so much feedback. I loved when you talked about that. Yeah. And it just provides so much clarity. Like in that situation specifically, I was behind a one-way mirror. So you're just watching them like read the directions, like, cause something might seem very clear and obvious to you when you're the one building a business, building a product, whatever it may be. But then when you're actually putting it into the hands of the consumer, like you have to watch how they're interacting with it. And yeah, they would like read the directions and maybe things weren't clear. So we would have to go back and refine a little bit like that, but even getting it to those like minute details before you put it out into the world is going to make all the difference when you're having people who are, you know, experiencing you for the first time and what their impression is going to be, what what's going to be their review of you. So trying to get truly as much consumer research done and interacting with the consumer, testing it as much as you can before you actually go live is going to help you just all that much more. I'm excited too. We're going to have to do this for the book for my recipes and everything. And um, this is, if you're in publishing, this is basically what a beta reader does, right? The beta reader reads your book ahead of time to see what they think of it. And you ask them different questions of like, when did you stop reading? Did you laugh at a certain point? And kind of like getting that feedback too. Yeah. And then from testing your business idea, Phase three starts off with market analysis, where we go into refining your target market, laying out your competitive landscape, who are your competitors. We also go over pricing and your differentiators. Yeah, and we do this for every business. So we do this for Flourish. We do this for Dean Street Law. We're about to start launching legal courses and we and like template contracts and everything and we did a ton of market research on what pricing is i think it's really important to understand pricing as a way to position yourself in the market pricing isn't just is my product at a price that people would want to buy it at it's also how does this price reflect my brand and how does that interplay work? Because that's also super, super important. Um, Obviously, positioning your brand as a luxury brand, you're not going to have like a a $5 or $1 item necessarily. And that's going to be like a higher price point. And so understanding your market analysis and being able to position yourself and making sure that the value you're delivering is also that level and same with if you're looking to provide like a more economical okay well is the value that we're providing going to still be like within that range that it makes sense for the consumer to purchase this it's really like you want to get a big landscape picture of what this looks like in whatever industry you're in yeah and we give you like almost a formula for how to price your products based on like starting by figuring out your break-even point and then um, adding on like the value of the experience, your differentiators, getting feedback from your problem solution interviews that you did when you test the business idea, and then um, factoring in your competition, what your vision is for the business. And then um, another good tool that we give you guys to help figure out your pro or to figure out your pricing is the pro forma. So we give you like a template 
um, pro forma, which is a three-year financial projection. And you can kind of input and play around with different prices to figure out like what your revenue and profits will look like depending on like where you price certain products or services. Yeah, and even if you don't have this course, I highly recommend that anybody starting a business, even if it's a sort of back of the napkin um, calculation, make sure that you calculate all of your cost of goods sold, how much it's going to cost to produce whatever product or service or experience that you're selling, and build in your overhead and make sure that you also build in profit in there too and have like a solid profit margin. Profit margins depend on which type of business you're in and also like where you position yourself. So a luxury product is probably going to have a higher product, higher um, profit margin than a more economical because they'll be basing their income on volume rather than profit margins. So whatever it is, you know, you need to make sure that you have an understanding of the landscape of businesses around you. You have to understand how you want to position your brand within the marketplace and then also factor into your finances because you shouldn't be selling something if it's not going to help you break even, right? And really understanding all those finances are going to, and all of those competitive landscapes, that's going to help empower you with information so that you're making really good decisions as you're starting this business journey. And all this information is stuff that you get to absorb, 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 and then use in your decision-making process. Totally. I'm going back to what Lindsay said when you're developing your business idea, how you're making, you're taking yourself out of the equation and thinking about your customer in the market analysis section. We have your homework is a big part of like diving into who your customer is. So when you are making those decisions and narrowing in on your business idea, you can actually understand and think from the perspective of who you're trying to appeal to, which is extremely important. And then for, you know, doing the competitive landscape, which is also part of your homework as well. um, You can understand how to differentiate yourself from other competitors in the market. How are you going to stand out to the audience you're trying to, um, you know, appeal to? And we make this first too, so that you have a really good understanding of your differentiators early on. We talk about the purple cow, um, which is one of my favorite examples by Seth Godin. He has a book on the purple cow. And essentially it's that if you were driving down the road and you saw a regular cow, you might say, oh, wow, that's awesome. There's a cow or you might think it, right? But if it was a purple cow, it would be so remarkably different. It would shock you almost that you have to tell everybody. And so when you're thinking of what type of business you want to make and what your differentiators are, I think it's really good to think about how can we be so different that we are remarkable, that people want to talk about us. Word of mouth is still one of the best ways to grow a business. And when you're able to be remarkable so that somebody wants to share about you, it takes off the burden from your shoulders in terms of marketing so much. And so this is really setting you up to have a really good marketing plan, which we dive really deep into in a little bit as well. So that's why this is pretty early on to figure out what your differentiators are, because that's a really important aspect of building your business in a way that's sustainable and will have the highest growth potential. 
Yeah, like Laura said, everything in the market analysis section, whether it's target market, competitive landscape, landscape, pricing, differentiators, all those things are just going to help you in your decision-making process for later steps. So that's why we do it so so early in the in the process. Um, I don't know that we've talked about this yet, but as you're developing your business, you really want to think of who is your exact target audience. And this is not a demographic. This isn't an age range, although you should, should know that. And we have pieces on really dialing that in. So you should, of course, know who your target audience is, the age range, the demographics, their background, but you need to know exactly who your ideal client is. And that should be like a person that you can imagine and sketch out. You should know where they shop, what time do they wake up, what are their hobbies, what do they like to do in their free time, what do they like to eat, what are they spending money on, where do they work, you know, you should know all about that case. I feel like you are the queen of that. You should talk more about that. Yeah. And I was saying we have the whole target market um, homework that is in the market analysis section specifically. And um, yeah, it's just such an important part. I think it, in the course, you'll hear me talk about in one of the audios, how at Anthro, we would literally talk about the customer as if she and her were in the room. And then when people would come and join the team, they would be like, who, like, who is her? Like, who is she? And it's like, we were actually sitting around a table, like to say like, oh no, she wouldn't like this color. She would prefer pink and purple or something like this. So we, it's just so important when you're making any decision in your business that you're thinking about the customer. And we knew her like that. And that was like another thing, the CEO, when he would come up to new people, he would always ask like, who's our customer? And you would have to like rattle off everything about her. But anyone should know that in their business. You know what I mean? Like be able to answer that on the spot really quickly because that's what you're here for. That's why you have the business, that's why you have the company. So yeah, super important part of business and just actually a fun activity in general, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to start walking up to people and being like on our team, who's our ideal client? Who is she? Tell me yeah. about her. <laughs> yeah. Talk about being tested and feeling like a little bit nervous. Like, well. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. And something that we've been talking about at Flourish recently too, is that like, we know who our target audience is and everything like that. Like we've done this. And recently since we've reopened, we keep saying like, oh my gosh, like they're our target audience. Um, like people who come in, we're like, wow, like our target audience is growing. Like, and I don't know like how it happened, but it's just really awesome that like when people walk through the door, it's like, wow, like you're a part of our target audience. Like, even though it's, it's not like, people aren't welcome who like, like if dad walked through the door, technically he's probably not our target audience, but it's just, I think that it's just cool when, when you know that your messaging speaks to the people who you're trying to speak to. Yeah, absolutely. You want to make every decision with them in mind. And that's not necessarily to say that you shouldn't do something because you're not sure about it. You can always experiment, but like that's who you're trying to speak to, who you're trying to serve. So that's really exciting part, something I absolutely love. Totally. And then from the market analysis, we go into financial projections. So now that you have all this information um, including like your pricing and your, and your differentiators, you can actually start to create your financial projection, which isn't necessarily 
the most fun part but I think that awareness is power and this is something that you have to be aware of and that even if you don't, like Laura said, like, even if it's just back in the napkin, like it's better than nothing, you know? Totally. And I've helped so many businesses go through financial projections in a back of the napkin kind of way. And then I'm like, okay, now you go research the exact cost. I mean, we had the exact cost of the exact printer that we were going to buy in our financial projections, but I have to make a disclaimer and we include this in the course. Financial projections are another piece of information. And if we can tell you from experience, we highly recommend that you pad them. (laughs) Um, Give yourself a lot of runway to fail. Give yourself a lot of runway in terms of unexpected costs. So I like to break down financial projections as three different scenarios. I've done a lot of private equity work I'm a corporate attorney and have negotiated so many different mergers and acquisitions. And my favorite valuations and best valuations that I saw were always based on three different scenarios. Worst case scenario, moderate case scenario, best case scenario. And then you can make decisions from there. Knowing your costs, though, is so, so important and being able to not only account for your startup costs that it takes you to get to day one, but also account for all of your costs plus more that are going to take you to the day that you start becoming break even. And then even further past that to the day that you start becoming profitable. So the profitable point is where all of your revenue now eclipses eclipses all of the costs that you've spent to start the business. And Dean Street Law was the first business that I started, and that was a very low startup cost. I fully believe in a super lean startup, making it very inexpensive and lower risk, especially when it's your first business. And that succeeded and just took off tremendously. Um, But the startup costs for Dean Street Law were only like $5,000. And it was a bootstrapping kind of business. I was working out of my home until we had a team of eight and we could no longer work out of my home. (laughs) Um, And then our second business is Flourish, which is a much more capital intensive business. We have rent, we have payroll, um, you know, It needs all of those things to even just get off the ground. And I will say our initial projections for Flourish, and if you check out episode two, we talk about this in big, big detail. Um, But our initial projections for Flourish were that it would cost like 25 grand for us to get to day one. And it ended up costing more like 80 grand to get to day one. So we way underestimated the costs. Um, that was our fault. So we like to share with you, we're on this journey with you, but we always want to share like our experiences in the hopes that it helps you. So I highly recommend at least planning to spend three times whatever you expect and have that saved so that you have that runway. And then the cost of flourish, of course, is something that we've been very honest about because we got hit with the pandemic we are way past worst case scenario. 
yeah. financials. I was going to say, like, I love the idea that you, you did like worst, best, or good, or good, yeah. or best as an example, just because I think it is also important to realize that financial projections and like each month, like it's going to change or using it as information as you go forward last year compared to this year, all that kind of stuff when you're doing it. And yeah, it's just, you know, you can't predict some things that are going to happen. So you kind of have to pivot. And obviously we came back, we redid our financials going forward to incorporate the pandemic and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But yeah, just, I, I like the idea of having like three, three different scenarios because things change as you know, you progress. Totally. And as you're thinking of startup costs, a lot of the different things that you might think about are funding. Um, and there are so many different ways for you to fund a business. I really recommend self-funding to every extent that you can. And then um, there's crowdfunding, there's getting a loan from the Small Business Association or a bank or something. And then if you have to, you can give away equity in your business. But remember that equity costs so much more than debt or self-funding because it will cost you the future value of your business, which you may not think may be that much because you're like, oh, well, it's worth nothing now. Well, what if it's worth a million dollars or a hundred million dollars in the future? You'll have paid so much for that initial capital infusion. And of course, if you're thinking of bringing on investors, highly, highly recommend that you work with an attorney on that. Definitely. So in this section, we also, so we go over how to create your three-year projection. Um, we give you the actual template that we used for Flourish. And then we also go over some of the components of your financial projection and how to find those numbers. So we go over the sales forecast, um, expenses, costs, net income, and then your sources of cash. And then we also talk about the ending cash on hand. So like after the year is done, how much do you actually have in your pocket? Cash is queen, let me tell you, especially when you're self-funding, cash is so queen and you have to know how your cash is being spent and that you have enough cash to be able to support your business. And making sure that you have enough cash, like I said, to support your business, not for your business to support you. Your business is a baby. You are nurturing it, loving it, helping it grow. It's going to take some time before your business can start supporting you and having that expectation that it's going to take a while of you supporting it is a good mentality to have going in. Definitely. And then from there, so once we have basically up until this point, we have been gathering all the different information pieces that comprise the business plan. So that's why we've done the market analysis. We've done target market. We've done financials. Um, we've done competitive landscape. All these things comprise, um, come together to create the business plan. So that's phase four. We actually gather all that information, put it in one spot, which is going to be your business plan. And this is like the home for all of the really important information for your business. Yeah. And it's something that I pull up frequently, even now that we've had Flourish open for eight, nine months so far, because it's some, it's where, like you said, Lindsay, all of your information is in one space. If you have it printed out, it's easy way for you to start referencing 
just pricing information, your financials, all that kind of stuff, because you'll find that you really need all that information in one place. So I really like the theory of create a plan and then plan to pivot. Create that plan so that you know where you're headed. You have to set a compass for yourself. You have to set a direction for yourself so that you know where you want to go and you have a plan to get there. And then from there, plan to pivot. I mean, none of us expected a pandemic. We pivoted from that. There's always going to be something, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's a change in industry, a change in technology, whatever it is, there will be unexpected things that occur. So the reason why you do it is not so that you can follow this to a T. It's because Again, it prepares you with all of this information so that as you continue to build and grow your company, you're making these decisions with as much information that you can, making the best decisions that you can for yourself and your business. Definitely. And what I love most about the business plan is that, one, it makes you think about aspects of the business that you might not have thought about without actually doing this. And then two, like Laura said, we pull from this all the time. Like whether, like when we first started up, even for Instagram description, I was literally pulling keywords from our value proposition, which was in the business plan. Um, And then we also based like our hiring on words that we're in and like positions that we put into the business plan. And then it's also a really helpful guide too, if you bring people on um, your team, just so that they have like an outline of the lay of the land. So like when we would first hire new people onto the team because you don't actually have the business yet, it's kind of hard for them to see what you see. So giving them the business plan to to kind of look over, like what is the value proposition? Like what exactly is your distribution channels? Like all that good stuff so that they really know the business inside and out like you do, I think is really helpful. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, no, like Lindsay said, like when I was brought on, she went through this um, business plan with me and it's super helpful because it's like a roadmap to the business. You're caught up. You can see what's going on. Um, And in this section also we have for your homework, you can create your value proposition, which is going to also just be helpful for you because it helps you explain to everyone else, like why you're doing this, like what your why is in the business. So you know, in a short snippet, people should be able to read it or understand it and then know what you're offering them. Yeah, it's essentially your 30 second elevator pitch for your business so that whatever person you is asking you about your business, you're able to deliver that super succinctly, impactfully, and really have that messaging around your business as you're building it. Then we get into one of my favorite parts. You know I geek out on this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Branding is just, oh, it is true to my soul, near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. Just one of my absolute favorite things. There's so many things. I think branding is another way to play up your differentiators and to communicate with your target audience, that one single person. You're not trying to please everyone. You're really trying to speak to one person and know that by speaking to one person, it will resonate and connect with more people. Yeah, totally. And I think it's just like, this is also like Laura said, this is just fun, like have fun with it and keep in mind your customer when you're doing this, but also you 
you put your own spin on it because this is like what people see, what resonates with them when they're looking at your business. Um, and we, for homework for this, we have that you like create a mood board and all these types of things. Like these are actually really, really important pieces. So you can get really specific on what everything's going to look like down to like your typography, photo filters, like all that kind of stuff is going to make all the difference. And when you're branding your company or your business, you want to make it like a consistent experience so people can see something and be like, oh, that's Flourish. Or they can see something else and be like, this reminds me of Flourish. You know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff makes a mental impact for people and is way more important than we all think um, because you're kind of branding is like evoking emotion and a feeling for our customers. And that's a huge part of like the customer purchasing decision is just emotion and feeling, you know, it's not always rational. It can just be based on emotion and feeling. And you have a lot of room when you're talking about your branding and coming up with your design concept, color story, naming, all that kind of stuff to try and evoke that emotion from your um, customer, which is so fun. Yeah. And I always feel like good branding is when you can recognize who the company is, even if their logo isn't on it. So we go over everything from like creating a mood board to your name story or to your color story, naming, and yeah, everything from like sub fonts, header fonts, patterns, templates, all that good stuff to really set you up for success in terms of branding your business. And a lot of these things, you might think something as simple as typography is just, it's a type, right? You just choose from whatever looks good, but really those minute details, one stacked on top of another are really what create that experience with your brand and evoke that feeling. And this is something that's commonly hired out for. And if you're hiring out, I think no matter what the situation is, whether you're hiring someone to develop a logo or a website for you, this is really something that starts with you because you have that vision in your head and you really have to be able to communicate what that vision looks like to some someone else. So I really, and this is a little bit into human design, but for me as a manifester, I have a lot of visions and ideas and I really have to find ways to communicate them. And so creating those mood boards is something that's really important as you're working with someone so that you're informing them of what you want and the vision that you have. And so something that I highly recommend that you start doing as you're building your business, start screenshotting branding that appeals to you. Start screenshotting and video recording any sort of ads that appeal to you, like anything you want to click on, start sh start saving that. And I have a shared album on my phone that I share with my designer so that she can see my vision. And I have, of course, mood boards and everything that I create on Pinterest for every one of our companies to do our color story, to do our typography, all that kind of stuff. We do a lot of our branding in-house. We've done all of our branding in-house for Flourish, all of our branding in-house for Dean Street Law. For my personal brand, I am hiring a designer to help with that. So this is the first time I've had to like truly communicate it to someone because I'm not spending 20 hours looking at fonts. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it makes all the difference. And I think with this section too, you can go back and use the um, competitive analysis that you did earlier in the guide 
and use that to understand, like Laura was saying, like what your differentiators are, look at what your competitors are doing and just making sure from a branding standpoint, you're really standing out from them. Totally. Because strategic positioning in terms of your branding and the way your experience looks and feels is a huge impact for purchasing decisions. You'll notice brands that stand out to you. Um, someone that stands out to me, for instance, is Kenzie Burke for branding because she's taken the health and wellness industry and she has totally transformed the way it looks and feels in her brand. So that's something that really stands out for me in terms of branding. Now we're getting into creating a home for your business, which is something that you know that we're all very passionate about. There's a couple of different homes that that could be. That could be your website, that could be your office space, or that could be your physical location. I mean, your office space, meaning like your personal office space, or that could be like a whole location that people walk into. Lindsay's the queen on websites. Yeah, creating a website is on, like, if I'm being totally transparent and honest, I feel like I have a lot of experience with it now, but it's really hard. Like, it's really hard to compile all the information that you just um, did, that you just came up with for your branding, and then translating that onto a website because it's not just branding, it's also like the words that you put on your website, the outlay, like, does it, does it guide your through guide your customer through like the journey of your business? So I think that creating a website is I it's honestly really hard. So I love that in this guide and in the course we really go over like step by step how to create a website from like picking your domain to like choosing your host and and forming the actual web pages of your business. So there's a lot that goes into it that I think that most people don't really recognize until you actually do start a website. So we go over everything step by step. And then um, in this section too, we also talk about like not just the online home for your business, but like the physical home for your business too. Yeah. And a couple ideas that I want to share for a website is that no matter what you do, if someone pulls up your website, you should be able to tell in five seconds what they can do for you. If I pull up a website of just XYZ company, I should know within five seconds of looking super clear, concise, what they can do for me, how I can pay them. So I really like to have it the headers as like the different tabs that you can click on as different revenue sources for the business. It's so it should be super clear messaging. And I'm personally much more minimalistic. I really like minimalist sort of websites, which is not to say that there's nothing on it. It's just that your eye immediately goes to the messaging that the business or you as the business want your consumer to be reading and then really thinking through that customer journey through the website to make sure that something leads everywhere. If they go to the bottom of the page, there should be an opportunity for them to purchase with you or connect with you or go further because clearly if someone scrolled all the way to the bottom of the page, they're interested. So really capturing that interest and capturing that flow to your website is a great way to increase convertibility and increasing conversion rates 
is changing someone from a an observer to a purchaser. Totally. Yeah, making sure that there's always that call to action on your website and it should be on every page depending on like what page they're on is what they're interested in. So just giving them like the next step and really outlining like, okay, so where do we go now? Like, how do we take you through this experience? How do we get you set up? All that good stuff. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, like Laura said, just making sure it's super easy to navigate and you're also being really transparent with everything on your website. Like there's actually nothing more annoying than going to a website, trying to find a phone number. You have to dig for it or trying to find pricing. I'm not interested anymore. Like if it's taking me too long to figure it out, like that's an issue. So just making it so easy for people to understand what you're doing, how they can work with you and like what they should do next to do so is going to make the biggest difference for sure. Yeah. Breaking it down into like a couple easy steps and even telling people, particularly in service businesses where it's harder, show those customers what that process looks like. Break it down into like no more than three steps of what does that customer journey look like so they can know what to expect because maybe they've never worked with a lawyer before. And then into location, we talk a lot about real estate um, in the course, but just to break it down super quickly, I highly recommend starting as lean as you can. I know there's a lot of people who say that you're losing money if you're not buying, but I think keeping your company as lean as you can, particularly in the beginning as you're a startup, is what's most important because it's minimizing risk for you and it's allowing and freeing up capital so that you can put it into your actual business and what you're really good at. So when you're thinking of real estate, I would go for as small of a commitment as possible. I really personally, even if we didn't have a co-working space, that's why I started one, would have looked for one because it's a really good solution for short-term uses, especially for startups. And there's sort of retail space too that's similar to a co-working space that you have a month-to-month obligation rather than a multi-year lease. So think small, think lean. And then when you're building out your space, really build it out to be an experience similar to that website, making sure that you understand where the customer is walking. What are they going to feel like in the space? What kind of emotions do you want to evoke? And then we jump into the legal aspects of it, making it official, forming your company, filing everything that you need to with the various secretary of states, obtaining your tax ID, intellectual property. We have a whole podcast episode on this. So we will, um, we have the podcast that'll probably come out around the same time this does. So look out for a podcast episode all about forming your business because that'll really dive into that whole section. And I would just preface it with saying that as you get into more complicated businesses, make sure that you're working with an attorney because you they're going to issue spot for you and be able to tell you what you need to know and what you need to do, especially if you have more than one person you're starting the business with. If you have two or more people, always work with an attorney because your operating agreement is a lot like a prenuptial agreement. You want to make sure that you know exactly what it says and that every single thing that it says is things that you intend to carry out and that it also thinks of all the different circumstances that might happen as well. Yeah. And just, I feel like everyone should know that this 
section has a 30 minute audio of just Laura spitting straight fire about all um, the legalities of starting a business. So I think that we went over and Laura, you can correct me with, if I'm wrong, but I think that we went over the different types of entities, forming your entity, um, the documents that you need in order to start, in order to form your entity. We also went over um, obtaining your tax ID, license, permits. I think we went over opening up a bank account. Yeah. <laughs> all that good stuff. And then also intellectual property rights, trademarks, copyright, symbols, and then um, we also went over like the basics of contracts. And then we gave you some tips on hiring an attorney too. Exactly. And if you have any questions of that, of course, we have Dean Street Law. We'll include all the information on that too in the show notes. And we offer free 15-minute consultations if you're looking for an attorney. So you can always... Um, schedule a consultation with that and we can dive deeper into that because every business is different and at least having somebody who can walk you through your business and issue spot and give you a heads up of what you should be thinking about is a really good opportunity to make sure that you're on the right track. Agreed. And just as like coming from someone who knows absolutely nothing about law and having Laura's expertise on this section is just super helpful because I think probably most of us aren't lawyers starting a business. So like having some background on what actually you need from a legal standpoint when you're starting a business is just super helpful. Yeah. And then we get into the most valuable product, most viable product. Yeah. So the next phase is kind of a quick one. It's just determining your MVP, which is your most viable product. This is the product that research will show has the most market potential. And this isn't to say that you're not going to have other products. You're going to have other products and services. This is just the product or service that has the most earning potential attached to it. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be your highest priced item. It's what will be, it's what will have the most earning potential. So there's a, we go over like why it's important to launch with your MVP. We also talked about what we launched with when we opened up Flourish. Um, but there's a couple of reasons why it's really important to launch with your MVP. Um, and I think that the, the biggest one is just to make sure that your messaging is super clear. It's kind of the idea of essentialism. Like if you give someone too too many options, then it kind of gets lost in translation. So really honing in on that one idea and that one product that everyone is going to fall in love with and introduce them through that and introduce your brand to them through that is really important. So it'll kind of cultivate your brand identity and what you want to be known for and how they're going to remember and experience your brand and what will actually bring them back for more too. Yeah, I love that. And then we get into the sales and marketing plan, which I absolutely love. Yeah, I think this is just like such an important part of your business. And like sales, I think is something that people feel really intimidated by. I know I like for sure did much more when I first started at Flourish because I was going into more of like a sales role. And it wasn't something that I was super comfortable with in the beginning. But then we did like a whole workshop where we had an expert, Marva Goss, come on. And she really was explaining sales from a really great standpoint. And we put, um, so we kind of carried some of that over into the 
the course and the guide and just, you know, making sure you have a dialed in sales strategy is really important. Making sure you're telling a story about your business so people can, you know, follow along and again, evoke that emotion, make them make a purchasing decision, not only from rationality, but based on how they feel when they're in the um, presence of your brand and leading with results. Like what are they going to get from your business and what you're offering them is super important. And then clearly articulating your value proposition, like we said earlier, making sure that whoever you're targeting to understands your why and the reason behind your business and kind of what that transformation would look like for them is super, is really, really important. And then another great rule of thumb that um, I think one of our, we talk about this in one of the course audios in this course audio is like the 80 20 rule when you're with your customers you know it doesn't have to be I think my intimidation with sales was mostly like you feel I don't want to feel salesy but like the 80 20 rule is talk 80 percent um sales and then 20 percent on right that's what it is <laughs> okay I was like squashing my <laughs> and then 20 percent personal so you are you make sure to incorporate like personal things in there um, while you are also going through a sales strategy and trying to help them out at the bottom, at the end of the day. Um, and we also talk about distribution and visibility in this section as well and making sure that you know where to distribute your business product or service and making sure you know like where your customer is, like maybe your customer's on Facebook and not on Instagram and just making it easy for you to actually reach who you're trying to reach and um, like understanding where that's coming from, because that's going to be much easier for your sales process if you're not selling to the wrong place. Um, and then like visibility, making sure you're really visible for your audience. And um, we also give little tips in there for like how to increase your visibility. Maybe that's through collaborations or, you know, having promotions where people are a giveaway where people are sharing your things, like how to make your business actual actually visible to people and to reach a bigger audience um, is something we, we give you kind of more in detail in the course. Yeah, you want to build so much hype. At this point, you have put so much of your own effort into it. This is really how do I engage other people to build hype around the business? It's not just me and meeting people where they are. And I always like to think of things of the sales process as like initially meeting someone, you want to be able to shake their hand. You don't ask them to marry you. So the initial meet isn't asking for a sale. It's developing a relationship, developing a connection, and then you get to know them. They get to know you and then it eventually progresses. But you don't like walk up to someone and are like, hey, um, let's get married. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a relationship and that you build over time. And what I love most about this section is, um, Case, you really lay down a bunch of tips for how to create a really successful sales strategies. And like, also, we talked about our best sales tips. So what works for us really well. Um, and I think that that's helpful, because once you're actually in that scenario where you do have someone interested, you can kind of freeze up and be like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? So just having um, some guidance and some go-to tips for once you're actually in that scenario, I think is really helpful. And one thing that we talked about that was my favorite part is speaking to the transformation versus the benefits. And in the course, we give a like patio um, example that 
if I were selling a patio deck, and this is like such a random example, but I don't know why it's always what I think about whenever I think of the transformation. But instead of cert, instead of speaking to like the benefits of the patio decking that you're selling, so like the really dur- durable paint and how long it's gonna last, that it's not gonna track dirt around the patio. I don't know, that doesn't even make sense. But um, that's all the benefits. The transformation is actually that like, you're gonna have a place to sit on the back porch and enjoy the sunset. And it's gonna make a whole nother living space to your house and, and all that stuff. So it's really important to speak to the transformation not just the benefits. So even for this course, when we were thinking about like how we're going to market the course, we could list all the benefits that like you have that like you'll receive a pro forma template and you'll have homeworks to guide you along. But like ultimately, like the real transformation and why you would want to get this course is because it's going to help you launch your business and it's going to help you grow a successful business like that's what it comes down to like and i feel like me as a buyer if i were buying like i want to buy the transformation like i want to buy me launching and growing my business like i don't necessarily care about the fact that like it'll give me a financial pro forma and there will be homeworks for me to really narrow down on all the information like that stuff is so important but it's really the transformation that's gonna like click to someone yeah, and saving time and saving frustration, all the hours that we put into Googling and experiences that we had all summed up into a nice package in a way that's easy to digest and understand. Totally. And then from there, we're getting so close. Um, we actually do, we actually have a phase on launch preparation. So what do you actually need to do in order to prepare for launch? Yeah, and this is really fun. This is your outreach. This is creating buzz. This is your PR, reaching out and finding and re- and researching your brand ambassadors, developing your email list, doing a trial run, actually finally establishing what your launch date is going to be, really like starting to pour energy into your business so that it starts to breathe and have a life of its own. Yeah, and I think that this is something like a lot of people don't even think about to do, but I like honestly, I don't even know if I would think about to do something like this, but now I know like how important it is. Um, And I, I always think about like if you're running like a marathon and you told no one you were doing it and then you get to the end and no one's there to like, you know, be there. Celebrate with you. Exactly. Then it's like, you, you want to bring people along on the journey and tell them what's going on and make them excited for what you're, you're putting out into the world. So I do think it's like such an important part and really, really easy to overlook, but definitely is necessary. Yeah. And my greatest tip on this is to share the behind the scenes on social media, talk about it. I think a lot of people like to think that they should keep things under wraps and never talk about something because they don't want to not do it. And then people think that they didn't do it. But I'm such a believer in talking about things, sharing the behind the scenes. It's not pretty. I showed a bunch of videos of Flourish before it was done. Mm -hmm. And I showed my visions for the space. But it's really exciting because now we have that video and that record. And I was taking people along, asking them for our their help with our decisions on paint choices and our decisions on the logo, really like 
have that journey and allow people to be part of it. Don't be a perfectionist. Let go of the perfectionism. Let go of the need for everything to look a certain way. It will eventually. Every day we are an evolution of ourselves. Every day our business is an evolution. But bring people along on that journey with you. And then prep for your launch party. Yeah, yeah. All the hard work pays off. Right? Oh, this is so exciting. I loved our launch party. We did a pre-launch party and we did an actual launch. So for Dean Street Law was very spur of the moment rushed. <laughs> like I had clients before I had a business and I was like catching up and everything. Whereas for Flourish, I really got to plan this out. We had our pre-launch party, which was a week or two before our launch. It was sort of our trial run. It enabled us to work out any of the kinks, really see people in the space or see the client experience. Right. And then after that, um, is when we had our full launch. And okay, I'm telling you people, I go ham. I invited like 5,000 people. Literally, I messaged like five, I mean, not just me. We also had a PR and marketing intern, but I personally probably did like 3,000 messages. Uh, and total, we probably sent out like 5,000 messages. I mean, I was on Facebook messaging people that I had not talked to in the last 10 years to invite them to my freaking launch party because I'm just like, no shame get the word out there. They were excited to hear from me. I still have to message them back. <laughs> um, I just blasted everybody. And I think that's what you should do. Just let pride fall to the wayside here. Don't be shy. Even if you are shy, rip that bandaid off and just get the word out about your business, about what you're doing. Even if it's just a website launch, amp people up, do a countdown on your social media, let them know what the day is, create a virtual event for people to like celebrate it and, you know, offer them like a free hour of something valuable to them. Make whatever you're launching, make a big deal about it. Totally. And I, I think it's also fun because it's an extension of your brand. You can show a little bit of your brand through this. I think I, I think of like, you know, when like makeup, and influencers do like a collaboration, then they have this big launch party. It creates so much buzz. And then you're like, wait, I kind of want this. Like, this looks so much fun. Like it's an experience too. So yeah, just go, go big with it. It, it. You know, your hard work is paid off. So you should celebrate and, you know, share it with the world. Totally. Create press releases, send out the information, invite press you know, really start to be your own advocate. You're creating something in the world. Everybody deserves to hear about it and really positioning it in a way that shares the volume with them so that they want to hear about it is a great way to invite them to be part of the experience with you. And then have your launch party. Make it so much fun. We get into all the details. I love event planning. It is really near and dear to my heart. So establish a budget. Think of who you'll invite. How many people do you want to have in your space or on your online event? What kind of atmosphere do you want it to have? What information or food do you want to serve? Like what do you want to provide them? What value do you want to provide them? 
what press or media coverage are you going to have? Are you going to invite people? Do you want a photographer, videographer? I highly love, highly recommend investing in photographers and videographers to document various aspects of your business. I think it's super underrated, but you want to have that storytelling aspect to your business. It's so valuable in any of your marketing and being able to share that experience with people who aren't there as well. What activities do you want? What experiences do you want? What do you want your decor? How are you going to allocate that budget? Really get into party planning mode and have fun with it. Yeah, something that I think was really cool that we did for the Flourish launch was there was kind of like a piece of Flourish in all the aspects of the actual party. So like we had speakers who were talking about like launching their business and like things that they're really experts on and running their business. So it was very like educational in that sense. We also had a lot of fun like activities going. And then we also had like people from the community who own small businesses there as vendors to like also support the community too. So it was really cool. It like combined different aspects that are really important to us at Flourish, which is like growing and learning. Um, there was also like a lot of sense. There was like a huge sense of community there. Like I feel like everyone that I went up to was like my best friend and I was like, oh my God, hey, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I feel like a lot of the core values that we have at Flourish were kind of shown through the launch party and we wanted it to be like that. Totally. And we had a three-day launch party. So Friday night, we had a more intimate dinner and a workshop on goal setting. It was right at the beginning of the year, January 2nd or 3rd or something. So we did a goal setting um, dinner and workshop on Friday night. Saturday was our big work party where we had a ton of speakers. We had vision boarding and floral making, and we had a whole ton of vendors from the community. And then Sunday, we wrapped it up with a brunch and yoga session. So it really showed the different facets of community and personal development and all the things that are important to us. So whatever it is, make it important to you. Do what makes sense for you. Do what your ideal client would really want. And Make it engaging and fun. This is like the celebration. And we hope that once you launch, you do take some time to celebrate. I think that's something that so many people forget. They get caught up. They're like, oh my gosh, I just wore myself out. Really plan. That's why we like this 60 days to launch your business because you create a plan for it. Because my biggest thing right now is I want to be able to show up to every single aspect of my life fully present, fully as myself, as my most authentic, magnetic, epic self. I want to be showing up to every single experience and moment. So when you're launching, plan for it. Go through this process so that you know what to expect. So when you get to that day, you're not exhausted. You are like, I built in time for rest ahead of this. I built in time for rest after this, I'm going to build in a day for celebration with my friends and family that I just accomplished this. Yeah, something that we talk about during this section too is like actually doing some self-care and taking time off because obviously like we just started the business. So yeah, like you might think to yourself like, okay, time to get to work. But you have done so much work up until this point that like you need a mini vacation before or after. And this is something that like after we launched, it was probably like the most hectic not in a bad way because it was like Laura and I doing it together but it was like a really intense 
we launched in like two months. A whole co-working space. Yeah, an entire co-working space, like renovated a space, all that stuff in two months. And after that, Laura and I were like, okay, you need a mandatory vacation. And she was like, yeah, you need one too. (laughs) (laughs) We like forced each other to take vacation because it's, it takes a lot out of you and not in like a bad way. It's just that in order for you to like continue on, like you need to also take time for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. A thousand, a thousand percent. And then once you've recovered, then you get to like circle back, track your progress and really start to create this feedback loop in your own life and in your business so that you are, like we said, in constant evolution. You're tracking your progress, you're tracking your customer service and their experience, and then you're looping back and seeing how you can do everything better every day or month or year. Yeah. And that's what the next section is all about. It's all about customer service and tracking your progress. And then you adjust and you plan from there. It's all about the pivot. You got there and now we pivot. Now every single day you're thinking of what can I do better? What do I want to change? Your business should not look the same from day one to day 60, day 60 to day 365 day 365 today whatever right like 10 years down the road it should be constantly changing um based on adjusting from customer feedback from what's working what's not working experiment give yourself room to fail you should be okay with failure because experimentation and failure are your way to success totally and what i really love about the section, this is day 60, by the way, this is um, phase 10, the last phase in the 60 days to launch your business. And it's titled adjust and plan. And I love this one because we really go over how we do planning at Flourish and Dean Street Law, which I think is helpful. And sometimes I feel like it's an oversight. Like you're so head down in the business that you forget to like look up and see what are your overarching goals? Like where do you actually want to be? And then create your goals, move backwards from that to figure out like what action should I actually be taking today in order to reach that goal? So planning is something that like we actually make meetings for. Like we have planning meetings. We do them um, at Flourish. We do them once a week. And then um And then we do them on like more macro levels too, like um, once a month for financials. Well, right now, because we just relaunched, we're kind of doing them a little bit more, but we do them once a month for financials typically. And then we have a yearly planning session, which is almost an entire day long of just us talking about like, what do we actually want and not limiting ourselves and like our thoughts, like thinking as big as we want to think um, to actually just sit down and like plan what we want for the future. So, so it's really easy to just like be head down, try to make time for actually like planning what you want for the future so that the steps that you're taking today are what's going to lead you there. Yeah, exactly. You always want to have that vision, make sure your compass is pointed in the right direction and then take those macro goals, bring them into your, everyday business so that you're accomplishing what you want and so you see the progress that you want to make in a month or a year from now and then you just keep growing and pivoting and learning and experimenting feeling free to fail there's so much 
um, that you start to let go of in terms of perfectionism when you start a business, because if you want the growth that you want, you have to let go of the perfectionism and understand that every day is an experiment. And if you, if something doesn't work, that's okay. If it's something costs thousands of dollars, that's okay too. Like you have to lose money to make money. I think it's something that people don't realize and that's not failing. That's just a part of business. Totally. And this is day 60, but this course is really to be taken at, you know, whatever pace fits your journey best. So, you know, just as you're going along the journey, take it phase by phase, um, whatever is working for you to get to that, that launch. Exactly. And everything's spread out really nicely. Um, you can go through it at your pace, as Casey said, and it's perfect too. If you, even if you already have a business, like I'm going to be using this to go through Dean street law because I really want to revisit everything and make sure that I thought through things because that company launched so quickly and grew so quickly. I like didn't even time have time to make a business plan for that business. So, um, whether it's something that you have an idea for or something that's already, established, it can be pretty valuable to be able to go through all of these processes and make sure that you're making all of these aspects of your business better. For sure. Yeah. And we go into much more detail in our course, you know, today was just kind of like an overview of the sections and, and the course, but if you're taking the course, it's much more detailed and, you know, you have us as a resource if you have any questions or, you know, concerns throughout. So, yeah. Yeah. And everybody can also, um, wait, okay, Lindsay, you go ahead and wrap it up. I forget what I was going to say. That's okay. That's okay. Um, and then just to like wrap it up for you guys, I think that one, I think that we could all agree that the biggest advice that we can give you, regardless if you're taking this course or not, or not taking this course is when you decide that you want to start this journey and when you decide that you want to start a business or even if you already have a business like get yourself a community to do it with because like i can't even speak enough about like the fact that like the power of one an accountability buddy like i feel like that's huge and also like this is a hard process and it's something that you're not familiar with like Find a community where you can talk openly about what you're going through and and talk about like what you're facing. Like, is it and especially if you have a community, these are people who've already done it before. So they've been through the things that you're going through and can give you some advice. So I honestly and like Laura, that's like essentially why you opened up Flourish was because like being an entrepreneur is tough. And I want to say at times it's kind of lonely. So just make sure that you have a community who can like help push you forward and also like give you the support that you need when you need it. Um, even if it, that community is just one person like me and Casey, we both um, keep talking about like wanting to start our own website. So we're kind of being like each other's accountability buddy. And when I'm going through things, I'm like on the phone talking to her about like, man, I just did this and then I messed up and now I have to redo it all over again or, or whatever. And she's like, man, like, am I, is that how I'm supposed to be doing it? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just really enlightening to have like these different kinds of conversations with someone so that one, you don't feel alone. And like, also it's just going to help you keep moving along. Like, I feel like community is so important when you're starting a business and when you're becoming this, an entrepreneur, 
Yeah. So make sure that you have their community. If you are interested in taking the course, you can find it on our website. It'll be linked in the show notes. And then also don't forget to use code WGT for um, that stands for we grow together. So use code WGT for 10% off. And the course is 16 hours of audio over a hundred page guide, lots and lots of homework templates for you. And it's really structured in a way that's easy to move through and easy to navigate. And if you need a community to go through this with us, we have our online community that you can join anytime for free, of course. And you can also find us on Instagram at Flourish Westchester. You can find me at Laura M. Francesco. You can find me, Lindsay, at Sweet Green Soul. Me, Casey, at Casey Flip. We so appreciate you tuning in. If you like the podcast, make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review it. If you include your Instagram handle in your review, we give away a free month at Flourish every single episode. We'll announce it in our show notes and on our Instagram. So thank you so much, everyone, for your support. We truly appreciate it, and we will see you next time. <laughs>